Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. So church family, it's my honor and my privilege to introduce you today, my friend, Pastor Jeff Clark. And I'm so glad to be here, and uh, I'll tell you, how Kitchens is crazy, and I've known him for 42 years, and I, there's so many stories I could tell you, but I don't want to take my preaching time to do that. Um, he had a, a maroon Monte Carlo, I will tell you this one story, when we were in college, and he, it had a sunroof. This is back before sunroofs were, you know, the thing, and I would always see him, but I don't know how Hal kept from killing somebody because he was always looking in the mirror. Checking his hair and, you know, checking how he looked. And, um, but we got married a week apart. We went to the same seminary, same college, served the same church in Dallas for years. And I'm so glad he's here. And I'm excited about a church that will grow to love him. Uh, he's not a perfect guy. None of us are. And he's going to love you. And I hope this lasts for a long, long time with God blessing you and his family and Kelly. Uh, Daniel is such a great guy. If you know Daniel, he's like a teddy bear. Uh, he's the only guy that eats more chicken than me. And I love him. I met him through Ty. And your staff, like I was listening this morning and watching everything you're doing. And from Robert and Michelle and everybody that works here, you have a gold mine. I don't know if you realize that, but you have a gold mine. And, and you know why? It's not, just, it's not just your staff, it's you. When I watch those children get up and walk out, I'm thinking, that's the future of our church. That's the future of our church. That's the future of our church. And realize that there are parents that are bringing their children to church and how vital that is and how you've made a place for children. Because I don't know if you realize this, if you're over 50, don't raise your hand because I'm over 50, I'm over 60. And it's dawned on me. I don't know if you get this or not. If you're over 50, you're not going to live forever on this earth. And so our future is right here. I mean, our goal with everything we do is not for me. I've been saved for like 50 years. Our, our goal is to reach the next generation. So as you start this semester, uh, can I kind of fire you up a little bit? Because I'm fired up. I mean, I am juiced up about the church. And so I was doing some study about Brookhaven. This is my second time to ever go through Brookhaven. I went through Brookhaven another time. My daughter got a ticket in Brookhaven. That's another story. Uh, she was doing, I can't even talk about it because I get angry. And a state trooper, we have some great state troopers here. And uh, they come through Brookhaven and we'll give you a ticket. And so uh, this is my, really my first time to be here but I don't know if you know this, there's 35,000 people in the metro, metroplex of Brookhaven. And uh, 65% of them don't go to church anywhere. So 22,750 people this morning do not go to any church anywhere. And I was looking, you've got 40 or 50 churches, just Baptist churches. And they're not going. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm real competitive, and I love the Lord and all the songs we're singing, I believe. 
I believe that everybody ends up somewhere for eternity. And so it's inspired me, even though I'm older now, I've never been more excited about challenging the church for what I believe is the next great awakening. If you know anything about revivals and awakenings, back in the 1700s, there was an amazing great awakening. The 1800s, an amazing great awakening. The 1960s, an amazing great awakening. And I believe we're just a few years away from the next great awakening because I know there is nowhere else we can go as a country or a community than up. I have never in my life seen the insanity flourish like it's flourishing right now. And what God is calling us to, and I want to say this to every believer that's here, he is calling us to cultivate heroes. Like in Hebrews chapter 11, the the, the heroes of the faith. And heroes don't have to be perfect. I mean, if you know anything about superheroes, anybody like Batman? Anybody like Batman? Batman, there's three people. Okay, good. Batman, yeah, you know, he, he was flawed. All the heroes are flawed. His, his parents died, and he was scared of bats and all that. And uh, how, how about Spider-Man? Yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, thank you. More Spider-Man people. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, Spider-Man, and, you know, his uncle was shot and killed because of him and trying to go pick him up. And how about Superman? Yeah, me too, bro. Listen, Superman was adopted from another planet. And all of these heroes were flawed. All of them had problems, but they all knew why they were here. They were here to serve and save. They were here to use everything they'd been given for other people. And so are you. Listen, when you understand a hero is a person that knows God and makes him known. When you understand that's what a hero is and you begin to cultivate those people, you'll understand the heroes aren't the people on the stage. They're the people out there. And what I want to do so badly is for, 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 you know, really to get up here and start clapping for you. Because you make the church work. When this church was built, I happened to come over here and look at it and was getting some ideas and kind of I'm thinking, you know, this church, man, what a great location. I mean, it's like a city on a hill. I mean, what a great facility. I mean, you've got it all. You've got great people. I, I saw your children going out. So how can we, and this is really my vision now, not just for my church, But for the church of the living God, how can we cultivate and be heroes? So in the book of Acts chapter 10, if you have your Bibles and you want to read along with me, and um, there's some notes that you have, I'd love for you to read those. Uh, We're going to look at how God works through the actions of the early church and how the apostle Peter, and this is one thing that helps me if you're older, uh, you probably know this, you don't know it all. Matter of fact, the older I get, the more I don't know. And, and so Peter's going to learn something today that kind of encourages me to know that the apostle Peter, who had been with Jesus for three years, who had seen the miracles, he didn't know everything. 
And, and so today he's going to learn that, that God loves everybody. That, that God wants to save. He, he has a desire. It's not his will that any should perish, but that everyone have eternal life. And, and that when you and I understand that, that the gospel is not just for the people who are here. The gospel is for the people who are here. Uh, like the little girl I saw in, in, in the coffee shop this morning. And I, I love when I do this because I get to be an undercover agent. You know, nobody knows me. Like in Hattiesburg, you know, I walk in and go, hey, preacher. You know, I, that is code for y'all quit cussing. You know, and, and so, but, so I walked in and I, I was getting some coffee. I said, hey, I said, where do people go to church around here? These young kids, you know, and they're young people. And, you know, and, and so I was, you know, like, well, I don't know. I said, where do you go? Well, I'm not from here. I'm from out in West and I'm from outside in the suburbs. And uh, I said, well, where do you heard people go to church? I mean, like, where do people go to church? Right? Surely somebody goes, well, I don't know. But here's what she said. This never happens when I use this illustration. She said, I don't know, but there's a church down the road called East Haven that I heard a lot of people like. And I went, yes, yes, that's the church I'm going to. That is the church God is going to use to do powerful things. And so in Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 1, we're going to see what it takes to cultivate heroes and how to be a hero of the faith so that you're not just thinking about you, you're thinking about the people around you. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. And he and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need. And he prayed to God regularly. And one day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. And he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him with fear and said, what is it, Lord? The angel said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter because he's staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. Now at the same time, Peter is taking a nap. And I don't know, as you get older, you don't realize this yet, but you'll love taking a nap. It's just an amazing thing. And he has this vision of a sheet that's being let down. And in the sheet, there's all these kinds of animals that are unclean for a Jewish person to eat. So, 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 so Peter still has, hey, hey, God has given me Jesus, but he's also, I still got the law. He's thinking, you know, I'm a Jew and I've been saved, but God wants all the Jews to be saved. He didn't want the Gentiles to be saved. And and so God says, hey, what, eat this. And Peter says, no, I I can't eat, it's unclean. He goes, what I call clean, don't you call unclean. So he's setting all this up. And so move on over to verse uh, 34. Then Peter began to speak after he came to Cornelius' house. And he said, it is true. Now I know that God does not show favoritism. You're like, really? It's taken you this long to figure out that God didn't have favorites? But he accepts people from every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, sharing the gospel. 
and how he went around doing good and healing all those under the power of the devil because the God was with him. And you were witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day. And so as he's preaching, and I love this because this is the power of the gospel, they start getting saved. See, see, here's the thing. If you're here today and you don't have like your God-fearing like Cornelius, but you don't know Jesus personally, you can get saved right now. You have to wait to the end and come down. No, no, no. You can just say, you know, like, hey, God, like I, you're speaking to me. Hey, I'm placing my trust in you. And that's what happens. And, and they know that because Peter says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water because they've received the Holy Spirit as we have. So he ordered they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he asked Peter to stay with him for a few days. And they were shocked. Four things. And I want you to get this short sermon. Are you with me? Short sermon. Four things. If we're going to cultivate heroes, if you're going to be a church that God uses to reach the next generation and to be a part of the movement that is coming to our country, I believe this with all of my heart. The first thing is you'll begin to join God in what he is doing. You say, what do you mean what he's doing? Do you know what God is always doing? He's always drawing people to himself. Did you know that? Like, like wherever you go, like, like, like people don't find God and kind of dig around and look for God and find God. No, God is drawing them. The, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that there is no one righteous. There is no one that seeks after God. And, and, and God draws people, get this, he draws people through you. Cornelius, he's having a dream, and he, he sees this angel. The, the angel appears to him, and, and why didn't the angel just say, hey, hey, Cornelius, this is what you need to know to be saved? Well, why didn't he just say, hey, why don't you place your faith in Jesus? I've come from heaven to you to tell you you need to be saved. Why don't you just place your faith in Why didn't he do that? Because he wanted to use Peter. Listen, God uses people as conduits of his power to share the gospel with other people. God wants to use you. It's not a program. It's not a plan. It is a person. And you are that person. Listen to me. Wherever you are, whatever your zip code, whatever your work is, God wants to use you in that place to be a conduit and a hero of grace to people that don't know him. See, see, here's Cornelius. I mean, he, he, he's not a Christian. There's a lot of people out there. A lot of people listen to my voice. You're not a believer. You're a God-fearer. You're like Cornelius. You pray and you give and you go to church. You're better than a lot of Christians because they don't go to church that much. And, and so you, you were just this close. And, and somebody needs to come alongside you and say, hey, there is something more for you where if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, it can save you. And God's just waiting for you to invite them to church. He's just waiting for you to share what little you know. You don't have to have the whole cup full. Just take what little's in your cup and pour it out, and God will fill it back up. Because when Peter gets to Cornelius' house and he says, What's going on? Cornelius says, I have no idea. He says, God sent for me, and I sent for you. 
and, and you're supposed to tell me something. Listen, God has divine appointments for you if you're only aware of it. If you're only aware of what he's doing. I, you know, I, I know my spiritual gift is evangelism, and I almost hate to use these illustrations, but, but God is always working around me, and I just happen to stick my nose in it. My son and I, he wanted to go skiing. He's younger, of course, and he wanted to go to Beaver Creek skiing. I thought, well, you know, that's a good mission field. A lot of lost people there, and, and so we went. He's, he's a great skier. I'm not a great skier. As you can tell, I don't work out. Uh, I don't believe in working out. You know, I believe in going to a buffet and buffet in my body. And, uh, and so we were skiing and I got tired. I mean, I was exhausted. Like I was so tired. I thought I'm going to get hurt. And he was like, let's go down this black diamond. I'm not going down no black diamond. You, are you crazy? And that's finally, I said, look, let's go over to this, this deal over here. They got, they got chicken over here. Let's go over there and rest up and let's get something to eat. So we did this is a true story. This just happened spring break. And, and so we went over there and it was packed. And so, so he, I said, look, let's go over to that tent over there. There's a tent. It's got like a see-through tent. There's not many people over there. Let's go over there because I just think like if I can get some water or a Diet Coke and sit down, I think I can make it. So we go in, and I kid you not, this place was insane. I don't know if you know this, but, but dope is legal. In, I mean, it's basically legal everywhere. But when you go in there, and like they're taking shot. They had this, this board, and I don't listen to this, okay? They, they had this paddle with these little, little, little cups on it, and they were taking shots. People were in a row sitting at the bar, and they were doing the thing and taking shots. And I'm thinking, we have gone to Hades. We have gone to a dope tent. I mean, this is crazy, but I am so tired. I got to sit down for a minute. And so we go to a table. There's only one table. This is a true story. There's only one table, and there's one lady at the, at the table. And I'm like, son, you know, we're, we're together, so we can sit there. You know, you sit here, and I sit there. So we sit down, and this happens to me all the time. We sit down, and she said, I, I'm bipolar. I'm Jeff. Nice to meet you. And, uh, and this is a true story. And so I'm thinking, I'm off the clock. I mean, I'm tired. I'm beat down with my son. I, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to share the gospel. I, I'm not doing this. I mean, she doesn't need that. I mean, she's bipolar and probably high. And so we keep talking and keep talking. She keeps talking, keeps talking. She keeps talking. My son is eating chili watching it because he he's seen it over and over. He's seen it. He's white like, hey, she's going to get it now. She's going to get it. He's about to set the hook. He's eating, and finally she said, you know, I don't believe God is out there. I believe I'm just a dust in the, piece of dust in the universe. I said, hold it right there. I said, now I've listened to you for 30 minutes, and I'm here to tell you you're more than dust in the universe, that God has sent me from Mississippi to meet with you in this dope tent. That's what I said, to tell you that God loves you and has got a plan for your life, and I need you to know that. And she started weeping. She started crying. And, of course, my son's still eating chili. And she said, I, I've, never, I've never had anybody say that to me before. I said, Jesus loves you. And he didn't care that you're bipolar. He loves you. He made you. He's got a plan for your life. She started, she said, look, I know this is weird. You don't know me, but can I hug you? And I'm thinking, I was looking at Hunter, and, you know, like, what should I do? And he goes, so I hugged, and she cried, and we left. Listen, they're everywhere. Join God in what he's doing and create space in your life for unchurched people.
You know why? An empty chair, this chair right there that's empty, it's never gotten saved. I know that's deep theology from Mississippi College. But an empty chair right there, the one that's got his back turned to me. Yeah, I know it's not saved. When you make room for unchurched people and you say, hey, we're not just here for ourselves. We are here for the lost. It changes people. Do you know there's two things you can't do in heaven? You can't sin and you can't witness. What little time you've got left on this earth. Listen, this whole community could turn to God and there'd be a renewal and revival because God is working through you because you've made some room in your life for one person that doesn't go to church, which is just about everybody you know. Am I yelling? My wife tells me to quit yelling. and She's not here though. So, but I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. Yeah, listen, here's the thing. Do you know what makes superheroes superheroes? They were willing to be interrupted. Think about it. You got Batman. He's at, a, at this party, you know, for the mayor. He's dancing with Catwoman. They both know who each other is. They're faking it. They, uh, then he sees the bat signal. And he goes and gets ready. He's willing to be interrupted. Uh Spider-Man, MJ, he and MJ like each other. They're talking, and all of a sudden he runs. There's a problem. He hears sirens. He goes, MJ, I got to go. He goes into a room, puts his outfit on. And then Superman, here's Superman, like he's walking around. How in the world does she not, Lois Lane, not realize who he is? All he's got on his glasses. Any crazy person can know that is Clark Kent. Would you let that man get near a phone booth? Now, listen, a phone booth, you can go to a museum. They had these big glass things, and Superman somehow would go into this phone booth and change his clothes, and people not see him without any clothes on. I don't know how he did it. And then he would open that phone booth, and here was, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's, thank you. And he saves the day. Listen, they understood that they had a life mission. And that mission was to be interrupted when there was a need. There's an article in the Atlantic. It's a periodical. It's not a Christian deal. But it said that um, 65 to 70% of Christians don't go to church anymore. You know why? They don't have time. It can't be interrupted. I mean, I need some time for me. I mean, I work all week. And, you know, we got, you know, we got ball games. We got ball game. We got football coming up. My goodness, we got football. I mean, you already know how many weeks you're going to be gone with all the home games. You, you already know, like, like, like if your kid is in, in travel ball, I, I think the new devil, and I can't say this in my church. Can I say this to you? Can I say this to you? Because I can't say this in my church. They'll, they'll fire me. And you can't fire me. Travel ball. It's become the, the, the thing that people worship. It's the new God. You, you got a six-year-old with the teeth. He got to go to he got to go to t-ball therapy. Y'all going to church? No, we ain't got time to go to church. We got he got to play some t-ball over there in Gulf Shores. Listen, heroes understand. 
You've got to be interrupted from all those things so that you've got space for God in your life. It's not all about you if you know Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the gift you've been given. And you're willing to be interrupted. Like, like, I don't like being interrupted. Like, I'd like to drive fast. I don't know about you. I like to drive fast. I like to get where I'm going. I like to get it done, get gone, get moved, hit rock and roll, hit out of there and go. No, no, no. You learn how, hey, I'm going to be interrupted if God is speaking. Peter's taking a nap. He's woken up. I'd be, man, I'm frustrated. Waiting on dinner with fried chicken was rolling. I can't eat. Somebody shows up at the door. It's not even his house. He invites them in to spend the night. And the next day he walks 30 miles. Listen, we're no longer a constituency church, which there's only certain people that you invite to your church. We're a call church. We're no longer just an information-giving church. We're a transformational church. We are no longer a transactional church. We need relationships where you connect with other people. It's not just a menu. It's a map of where God is taking you. You say, why? Because Jesus said in Luke 19, 10, I'm almost through. He said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. He said, I came to serve and not be served. So you join him where he is and you're willing to like be interrupted. And you see people as God sees them. I don't know about Brookhaven. I, you know, I'm still trying to figure Brookhaven out. I don't know. Is there ever, let me ask the young people because they'll know. Is there ever any, like, cliques in, in the community, like, people, like, cliquish? Ever, ever, like, in your school? You know, certain cliques that you can't break into? You just do this or this. <laughs> this or this. Yeah, okay, there's clear. Okay, so you, you, let, let me get this right. So you're saying that it is possible that we would show favoritism to certain people, that we have some built-in biases. Is that, well, let, let me test this. And, 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 and my brother said it, Daniel said it in introducing me. What do you think of when you think of Alabama football? You're saved. We've got one, two people that are Christians. This gentleman right here, uh, he threw up in his mouth. And, and, but, so, so you're saying there's personal bias. You're saying when you hear something, you, you think a certain thing. And Do you know what the Bible says ten times about the Lord? Ten times says God does not show favoritism. God does not have favorites. Jesus was called to the brokenhearted to the lepers and the losers. He taught simple stories that had applications. He would say, go and do likewise. There's no top, top-tier Christians. They were all saved by grace through faith that it's not of ourselves, it's a gift from God. Paul says we're like clay pots. He said there's some big pots, there's some little pots, there's some brown pots, there's some lighter pots, there's some crack pots. He said, but the reality is, no matter what, it's not what's on the outside of you, it's the treasure on the inside of you because you've been saved through grace. And I was thinking as I was sitting there listening to all this great music, I got two minutes to quit here. So just hang on. I'm, I'm almost there. I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to do it like this to, to land the plane. But I was thinking, if we really believed the things we were singing about salvation, 
If we really believed the grace of God, how we don't deserve it, how it's been, he draws us out, he seeks us out, he, he allows us to come to know him, he saves our soul. If we believe that other people are out there who God could use us to reach, that their souls could be saved, why would we not be inviting them to church? of the people that come to church, 90% of the people that are out there that don't go to church, they say, if someone would just invite me, I would go. Look, I don't know how many people that you know in this area, and you might want to ask them because I do this all the time. I I was at uh, a restaurant this week, and uh, the Midtowner in Hattiesburg and, and the little girl came up to the table and I said, hey, let me ask you real quick. Hey, where do you go to church? You go to church anywhere? No, I don't really go anywhere. And I said, well, look, if, would you come to my church if I invite you? Like, like, would you come Sunday? He goes, I work a lot. I said, I'll tell you what, if you'll come, I'll give you a shirt and a hat and buy you coffee. She goes, what time does that thing start? <laughs> this it's, it's isn't difficult. And there's nothing like when you invite someone and you see them being baptized where you celebrate their spiritual conversion where they've gone from death to life. There's nothing like that. One of my grandsons, I got three grandsons, two granddaughters, one of them got saved and baptized three months ago. And I literally, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, I laid in my bed I said, God, if you want to take me home right now, I'm ready to go. I'm going to lay here. I, this is how crazy I am. I said, I'm going to lay here, and if I stop breathing, just go ahead and take me because knowing that my grandkids can get saved is all I've ever wanted. So I'm going to lay here for a few minutes. Dad Gumby did call me. I guess he's not ready for me. And then in two weeks, my other grandson, Ben, is getting baptized. Hmm. Got three more. See, I don't go like three out of five. It's good. No, no, no. We're getting all five. No, no, no. No matter what it takes. I mean, if I have to, to rub my head, you know, and pat my stomach, and if I have to go up to that school every day and walk into that classroom, get arrested by the security officer, it, no matter what it takes, those kids are going to be safe. If we have to play some music I don't like, and listen, a lot of music I don't like, a lot of things we do I don't like, but if it means my grandkids getting saved, we're going to do it. And two, I'm the preacher. They'll do what I tell them. I'm just kidding. They, they, our team understands the power of the gospel and how we want to see people come to know, love, and follow Jesus. Listen, driving over here, I was so excited. I'm still excited about what God's going to do in you. Because at the end of the day, and don't tell Brother Hal this, don't let him listen to this tape. It's not about what happens up here, even though it was amazing. And the horn, I love the horns. I just, love, I just want to tell you. But it's not about this. You know what it's about? It's what happens right here. Right here. And let me tell you a story. One day when you get to heaven and you show up, Smelling like Hudson's. You barely got in. You never let anybody to know Jesus. You never invited them to church. You ought to be embarrassed. 
I made it, Lord. I made it. I, I, I sinned less. I drank less than I used to. Hattiesburg is saying 65% of the people in Hattiesburg don't go to church, and it offends me. It offends me. So much so that I try to be kind and invite people, invite people every day. Hey, Lou, we want you to come, and I'm ready for them. I offer them stuff free. I, I mean, like, I have no pride. Because I want to join God in what he's doing. I want to always create space for an unchurched person. I want to see them as God sees them. Because when they're saved and baptized, I celebrate. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You've listened so well. I, I just get so excited about the gospel and about a church like yours that has everything. You've got a great location. You've got a great building. You've got a good team of leaders. You've got an amazing group of children and students. People would die to have what you have. God has teed you up. You say, what do I need to do? Here's one thing I want you to do. One thing for everybody here, even if you're not saved. A lost person can do this. I want you to ask yourself, who is one person I can invite to come to church with me? One person. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. They don't, none of them go to church. Hey, uh, next Sunday, you know, we have donuts. And would you come? And sometimes it takes two or three times to, then all of a sudden one day they come. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting in church thinking differently about church. You're seeing church through their eyes. And when they come to know Jesus, when the angels celebrate, you can celebrate with them. Because God uses people to reach people. Maybe it's a child that's far away from God. Maybe it's a grandchild. Man, there's nothing like that. I'm going to tell you. I've fasted and prayed for my children and grandchildren. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a coworker. But our staff's going to be down here in just a moment after I pray. And, and, and when we sing about falling down and trusting God, I'm going to ask you if you really are burdened by someone in your life, that if you would come and just pray, and pray that God begin to work in you, that God would cultivate the hero in you and the heroes around you because when you get excited about your faith, other people see it. Father, I don't know these people, but I love them. And God, they have been given an amazing opportunity to be a city on a hill. To be the light in darkness. It's not about a competition with another church. It's about a competition with the devil. That son of a gun has grabbed so many people. And Father, we're reclaiming them. You said the gates of hell could not stand against your church. May this church be that kind of church as they begin to pray. Not about winning the world. But about sharing with one person. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.